Hey, welcome to episode four of Don't Go Hollow, the Dark Souls podcast about mental health and the impact the Soulsborne games have had on people's real lives. But in today's episode, we're going to start branching out from that. I'll be joined by Ellis, a creative from the UK with a passion for the Soulsborne games. A few years back, the games helped him through a rough patch in his life. We'll be talking about that on this episode, but also about the world building and soft narrative elements of the Soulsborne games, as well as how music plays into all of this. That's enough out of me. Let me introduce you to Ellis. My name is Ellis Everston. I am 22. I'm from Swindon, England, um, which for people in England is known as a town of prosperity. That's a joke. Um, I am a musician, a writer, actor, pretentious idiot with all of those things, um, and avid video games player. Here I am at your disposal, Jackson. Excellent. Yeah. Um, we are currently about a month away from Elden Ring. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling about that? Um, I'm very excited. I actually got invited to the network test. Um, so I have played it, mm, um, a, small, a small part of it. And I was I was like, wow, this is the most accessible Souls game. Um, and I think it's going to be one where a lot more people will finish it than every, than any other one in the series. And I think just because of its timing and how much hype, how hyped up it is with the new console generation, all of it, I think it's going to be probably one of the highest selling, most played ones in the series. And um, when they asked for feedback at the end of the network test, I basically just said, look, man, there's some small things here and there, but you are making something special here yeah. and I can feel it. Um, it. I think it's just like the reliance on, it feels like so much for like where Dark Souls is all about encouraging, like picking a build and sticking with it. Elden Ring feels like it, it wants you to experiment every 10 minutes and try something new and try this new weapon with this new weapon art and all this other stuff. And I, I think if they nail the other, you know, other 20 fifths of the game, because this is such a small part of it that I've actually played. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be amazing. It's a weird thing for Souls games, and it happened when Sekiro came out as well. I didn't feel excited. I feel kind of nervous because I'm like, I don't really want to play something that's going to kick my ass. But at the same time, I know that at the end of it, I'm going to be in love. So very yeah. excited. I did, I did pre-order the ridiculous edition with a helmet. I almost convinced myself not to, but um, against my better judgment, I did it anyway. At least you'll have a really cool helmet that you can wear. At least I have the game. really cool. What I didn't realize, right? Because I was umming and ahhing about it, and then and then it came up that it, it like sold out in like ten minutes. I didn't really think about it, and then it was like impossible to get eBay. People were reselling it for thousands and thousands of pounds, yeah. and I was just like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But much. I am I am very much looking for. It's definitely like this year in in general for video games. Like I don't know how much of this you want to include, but this year in general for video games is is insane. Um, if ev if everything hits, it's it's going to be nuts. Yeah. Like in in February alone, you got Dying Light, Sifu, Horizon, and Elden Ring. Yeah. And like Sifu was like one of my most anticipated games anyway, um, just because it looked really interesting. And Dying Light One was great. So even if only two of those games next month are as good as they're meant to be, like we're if one of them is, we we're laughing. We got so ring will be so it's like, yeah exactly wait. and then yeah. and then God of War later this year, you know I can't wait for that. 
Can't yeah. wait for that. But yeah, Elden Ring is Elden Ring has been a long time coming, and um, I'm ready for it. I am ready for it. There is, it, it was meant to come out yesterday originally, yeah. right? So <laughs> that's the if pain it, of it, it did, now. There's no way we'd be recording this right now. No, I would have yeah. both. We both would have just gone, mate. We'll leave it for a bit and come yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, nah, it's cool. I played the network test too, and I thought it was awesome. I didn't have too much time yeah. to play it, but same same sort of thing as you, like leaving feedback. I was just like, yeah, yeah, maybe like some things could be balanced a bit more. These were two bugs. Other than yeah. that, it was awesome. So I think I think my point was about um I think I said that like South stuff needed to have more reason to do it because it would just felt more fun to just charge in and like do normal combat and the South didn't really it wasn't like Sekiro where you were instant kills or like well you were, but it wasn't as refined as Sekiro, so it was like why am I bothering? Um yeah. but apart from that, like I thought it was fantastic. I, I actually I thought it was weird that they did the whole rollout of like you can only play it between you know this time and this time yeah. on these specific because i had to get up like 5 a.m to play some of those yeah um yeah. but like i i did i did get to a point where it, it reached an end and it was like you can no longer play because you've reached the end of this demo so i sort of just stopped away, stepped away there but from from what we know about it and how small an amount of the whole game it actually is i can't wait can't yeah. wait it's gonna be some yeah. some crazy moments for sure hell yeah you know of course this podcast is about dark souls and i guess it's cultural impact that it's had on people through mental health stuff and we might branch out a bit more on this podcast mm-hmm. because it's a pretty niche topic and there's only so many episodes <laughs> that can talk about dark souls and its connection to depression i'd say about yeah. three and i've done that many um, <laughs> season two is going to be wild man. Yeah. I, don't, I don't i do not know where you're going to take it. yeah it's, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, so yeah, we'll we'll be looking at a few other things in this episode and your experience with the games and how they've helped you in, I guess, like a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. Um, but what year did you get into the games? Actually, got into them was yeah. um, was it 2015? Bloodborne came out, and yeah. I actually I actually played it, and I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah. Um, but even it was weird. Even after I played Bloodborne, like I tried, I think I remember trying Dark Souls, and I still couldn't get into it. Mm. Um, because they are quite different games, just in terms of gameplay as well, and world design and all the rest of it. But I, yeah, so I, I mean, I can just go on through the entire story of it if you want. Yeah, why don't why don't we start with you can just go from like the first time you played. Yeah, like I don't think much of that when it first came out. Yeah, so I, so when Dark Souls first came out, um, I'll be honest, I think I pirated it on PC, (laughs) and it was. I remember it having the old like games for Windows like menu to get into it, and I tried it, and um, you know, I didn't do anything for me. I thought it was. I thought I at that point in time there was such a massive part of press that it was like oh this ultra hard game brutal game will destroy you and it's like that it's not really i think that comes from people wanting to feel really like good about themselves for playing it and finishing it which is is a valid aspect of it because they're not easy games but i think that it took me years to realize like i said it's more there's more to it than just the, the fact they're difficult um and also you got to remember that for years pretty much until like Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne were coming out, there was a mass for mainstream media, there was a massive like 
thing that Dark Souls didn't have story and Dark Souls was way too hard and it didn't have story and that was like the the prevailing like mindset of a lot of like mainstream media outlets and other things if you weren't actually into the games um so at the time I played it I thought it doesn't have a story bad game bad graphics whatever forgot about it um and then Bloodborne came out and I played Bloodborne a few months after it came out just because the reviews were insane um and you know it was getting 10 out of 10s everywhere and everybody was going nuts for it and I played it and I think I played it like seven times through like the first time I just I it, it finally clicked everything felt right the gameplay felt great and I just couldn't stop playing it and I became absolutely addicted to it um and I think it was about that point I tried to do Dark Souls again and I just couldn't do it and then um I after that period, as I was sort of breaching into adulthood, I had my first flat, um, my first, you know, apartment, and I was in a relationship that was quite toxic in a lot of different ways. Um, and coming out the other side of that, you know, I I definitely turned to the Souls games in a way that I'd never done before. Um the, the relationship was quite heavily reliant on 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 vices on substance abuse on drinking on a lot of unhealthy behaviors and um what happened was i decided to to step away from all of that and we just went in different directions but um any relationship you know after a year and a half or nearly two years it always has a weight to it when it's no longer there and um I think I, you know, I was, I was, I was working, I was living, I was supposedly successful in my own way, and I was not happy at all because I just felt very um, down about the fact that I felt like I'd made a really healthy choice for myself, and that had resulted in me losing a friend group and a relationship and all this other stuff. I remember just sort of having a quiet summer like when I wasn't really working as well. And I just went, all right, I'm going to try it one more time. And I bought the Dark Souls trilogy for, for PS4. And um, I sat down, played the first one, and just like consistently sat with it until the point that I was like, oh, wow, there is something really unique and special about the atmosphere and the world building and the gameplay and the elements of it all coming together that finally after all this time when I felt like I was at my lowest point um, clicked with me and I, I Dark Souls as a series is quite depressing because it's basically just about one dude fucking it up for everybody don't know if you're allowed swearing sorry no, um, yeah, cool. <laughs> but it's basically just about one dude messing everything up for everybody else and then everybody in a perpetual loop of misery and pain and torment and you know and for some reason, it just finally clicked with me. The massive grey landscapes of it and just like the... I love this idea that the world of Dark Souls is completely indifferent to your presence. And with the whole concept of going hollow, as well as um, just the way the game progresses, it's like you, you feel like nothing is fair in this world and you are not going to succeed unless you just keep trying. And I also love the idea that every other, like all of the hollows in the game, it's sort of implied that they are the players who never managed to push through and finish the, the story, right? They're all the chosen undead that never managed to, to succeed. 
Um, so Dark Souls 1 really clicked with me. And since that, I have played Dark Souls 1 through maybe 30 times. Um, it's become a comfort game for me where I know it well enough that if I feel like, man, I feel really bad about my day or I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm, what game can I pick up that I can inst- get instant gratification from? It's actually Dark Souls 1 because... I know the builds inside out. I know the world inside out and I can pretty much run through it. The only thing I can't do is better chaos because I fucking hate better chaos. And I really wish that they took it out in the remaster because it's awful. I don't know about your opinion on it, Jackson, but... Yeah, it was about 25 times before I killed Bed of Chaos. I was just glad that the progress from like the previous fight when you yeah. get halfway carries over. But wouldn't it have been better if it was actually a fun, challenging fight rather than just a luck-based, like, platforming challenge? It's it's not really a fight. It's just kind of like running from one edge as fast as you can and then hitting roots and then being like, yay, it's dead. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I think Dark Souls 1 is, like, very close to a masterpiece, I will will always fight against better chaos (laughs) because whenever I do a run through, it's almost enough for me to go, actually, I don't know if I want to carry on with this. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But they're all... They're all fantastic games, but I think Dark Souls 1 remains my favorite in the franchise. Um, it, it's it's just a combination of the, the theme, the themes of it, and also just how empty and hopeless that world is. And despite that, despite that, despite that like constant oppressive, oppressive feeling on you, you as a player choose to keep going on and keep battling these things and keep fighting through. Um, and there's a really great video, I think it's by Writing on Games on YouTube, um, just about Blighttown and the idea that the reward of Blighttown is just being able to see the sunlight again, because mm-hmm. by the end of it, you're just like, my God, I hate being in this pit. <laughs> um, and, and he was comparing it a lot to like his own journey of depression and other things. But I found I found light in that. And I found a message in Dark Souls in the sense of no one's coming to save you um, when you're in these moods, right? And it's a harsh reality to face sometimes when you are feeling like life is pointless or you're miserable or you're struggling with depression. But the, the, there is a fact of the matter that people can't save you. People can help you. People can support you. But ultimately, it's all down to you and whether you choose to succeed or choose to push yourself or choose to help yourself choose to want to help yourself um and i think that's actually a valuable lesson and i think part of it comes from dark souls i think it comes from me looking at what it was feeling frustration with some of it and especially with areas like blighttown or um, new londo where it's like there's such these such dark pits of nothingness that feel like there's no point in carrying on and choosing to do it anyway and then finally reaching success and getting through it. It's, it's, it's actually a really powerful message for like living life, I think. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't even know if that was the intention behind From Software making it. I don't know if they, they even really thought about it beyond just making a fan, like a dark fantasy game. But, um, you know, art is in the consumer's brain. That's not the phrase. Beauties in the eye of the beholder, I guess, is the other one. That's but it's probably like, a better phrase. To yeah, use, probably a way better phrase. <laughs> the meaning, I think the meaning is pretty much the same in this case. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. So, like, when when you were playing them, how 
like how did you was that kind of the main lesson you learned I guess was that you have to help yourself and like because it kind of sounds like you were already doing that before you're playing the games like you're already like I want to change like my lifestyle and stuff I changed my lifestyle but I, I wasn't miserable before the change in lifestyle necessarily I wasn't in a good relationship but I was I was filled up with enough substances that I wasn't really thinking about my mindset or anything else or I wasn't really feeling depressed at any point. Mm. It was the realization of realizing making healthy choices had cost me these supposedly good aspects of my life, right? Um, the job I was working in wasn't really fulfilling me either. I felt like I was underworked, uh, underpaid and overworked, really. Um, and I was just sort of hitting the crossroads of like, I don't know what I'm doing. I I felt a bit lost with it. And it... it I guess you could say that, you know, the choice to change lifestyle is a healthier choice, but I was definitely in a place when playing these that I felt, I felt very low, felt like at my lowest at that point. And it is, it is the point to say that, you know, my, my, my mindset and my mental health didn't turn around just because of dark souls, you know, um, I actually started antidepressants around the same time and just like doubled down on my counseling and other things and it's, it's a combination of things but I think that there are messages in art all the time that you can choose to sort of grab onto or latch onto and it can help you I remember I remember um I remember playing like the final season of the Walking Dead video game and sorry if I'm getting off topic here but like it there's something towards the end where they're talking about like oh it's so pointless this violence or like being angry about these things because you know you need to just focus on survival and living and getting through the next day and I don't even really like that game but there was something at that point in time when I was feeling bad about leaving a relationship and all this other stuff that I was like man that's really resonated with me and I didn't feel angry I didn't feel upset or angry or anything because it's just I think I think there are always messages within art to work from but with Dark Souls specifically it was just a major sense of achievement in finishing it and also just acknowledging that this was a world that didn't respect you and yet you decide to persevere and it works eventually it works you just have to you have to help yourself and yeah I, I know I'm just repeating myself there but yeah no that's cool it's pretty crazy like I feel like people who play games get it or at least who play single player games but a lot of people don't appreciate games as art mm. and like with, you know, huge like moral lessons and yeah. kind of life reflections that Dark Souls has in its own little way. Um, and there's heaps of games that you could say are masterpieces in their own right for completely different reasons to why Dark Souls yeah. is. Um, but to, to see the influence that what is essentially pop culture has on people's lives is mm. pretty amazing to me like I, I find that really interesting um it's it's great to play these games and it's awesome spending time and getting lost in that world but it's also kind of nice having something to take home to and be totally. like oh i can apply this to my job and to my friends and to my relationships mm -hmm. and to my community circles and that kind of thing I, I, and i mean even like as someone who's who's i mean i just um, i just finished writing a play um with a team um but as someone who's like making things creatively as well walking away from dark souls with such a creative influence as well 
on myself and um, being fascinated by the way they do world building. And of course, like, you know, you must have watched Vati Vidya and all the other, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, videos and stuff. And it, it's as soon as you realize what, what a wealth of like narrative there is that's so hidden, it's like, this is, this is unbelievable. Um, I love Dark Souls 1 for that reason, especially the narrative that the idea of the first sin and this endless cycle is something that's even replicated in like Last of Us 2, um, which I I also think is fantastic and I love it and I will die on that hill. I think it's unbelievable and I think it's better than the first game. That's my opinion. Um, but the, the idea that like you commit the original sin and everything is just a reaction to that, you know, it's one person's mistake and it's like, at what point do you break break a cycle of, of hatred or of desperation to cling on to something it, that's especially what's what it's dealing with in in the three dark souls games um and narratively and just creatively i find that such a fascinating choice it really is all of the souls games revolve around cycles though really they they're really good at that so i'm trying to figure out what Elden ring is yeah we'll see <laughs> it might be the one to break the cycle too like possibly i, I don't know it's it's gonna be interesting to see what you know, because the guy who wrote one of the greatest like fantasy yeah. stories of all time wrote like the lore and story for this game. So yeah, I, I like I don't know like are we gonna get like Game of Thrones style twists from it? Maybe. I, I, mean, I, I mean, from what I play from the network test, it seems like it's still very much the whole implied world building like yeah. aspect of it. Um, I do I do quite like the theory that it actually is a, a Dark Souls four. Um, that like after the age of fire, it became like the Erd tree and like all the rest of it. Because there's, there's, there's a whole there's an interview with Gerard um, Martin. You probably see that. I, I don't want to just. Oh, he says like, it's, like, it's like a sequel. It's, to it's Dark a sequel Souls. to Dark Souls, right? And everyone just goes, "Oh, he's just he doesn't know what he's talking about." But yeah. I think I think it would be really funny if he was actually right and they had always planned for it to be like as like it like narratively like the world to yeah. Dark Souls. But um, honestly, I don't I don't care either way because I know it will stand on its own yeah 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 totally have you um i only found out about this recently because a mate of mine was telling me about it this game called kingsfield oh by from like on the ps1 yeah yeah was i'm aware of it i haven't played it and it's like sort of semi-regarded as like dark souls before like yeah like demon souls which is pretty interesting it's pretty like first yeah so first person rudimentary kind of yeah yeah like there's no way you'd play it in this day and age unless no. you didn't have much else to do but i don't know it like unless it, you were making a youtube video yeah 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 exactly exactly but it looked cool though even like they have like the holy moonlight sword which is in like yeah. every souls game ever yeah so Apart from Sephora, that was cool. right like that's like where it sort of comes from yeah yeah anyway is there anything else that you kind of feel like you want to talk about in that that part of the story or that's relevant or that you feel like you need to say um, I don't know. I think just in terms of like the conversation about art and like what do we take away from art, and I think really great art has the power to give you new things every time you revisit it. Hmm. And um, I find that with a lot of single player narrative games, but with 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 Dark Souls, there there is something about you can choose to engage in the narrative, you can choose to engage in what you want to engage in, and. Um, even from a gameplay standpoint, you can always find something new from it. 
but especially just like you'll notice different things. The fact that a lot of people believe that the whole missing statue in um, Anolondo is a reference to the Nameless King in Dark Souls 3. Um, it's it's like it makes sense. And it, it, it like it's hard to dispute when it makes sense that, that that's, you know, but it's like, were they planning that like nearly 10 years beforehand? I don't know. Um, but it's, yeah, it's that. I think that's part of what makes it special as well. It's just that aspect that you, every time you go through, you can you can find something more, you can gain something more, whether it's a gameplay experience or a or just a world building aspect. Um, and I think I think the fact that I've been playing it for four or five years now, and I always go back to it as a comfort game, and I still find new things and still get new stuff out of it. I, I find it very impressive. Can you talk more about that? About how it's a comfort game for you? When I, yeah, it's it's a real weird one to choose right as a comfort game but there is something about the first half of the game i think up until like Ornstein and smo that um, i think is genuinely perfect i think it is like some of the best world design game design i've ever played and that first moment when you come from um you, you go down the the elevator from the church and you realize you're back in firelink shrine and it's such a like revelatory moment where you realize that the world is so in- interconnected and such a it's always captured part of my part of my brain just in terms of exploration and just wandering around but also i am really i'm not trying to brag because i don't really play pvp but i'm really good at dark souls one and there is something always comforting about being able to like blitz through that first half of the game up into anolondo and um i genuinely think there is just some real perfection in every single enemy placement and um the game design of it all and like just even the class system i like i like playing it and just being like right i've never ever played a playthrough where i have only used a bow and arrow and that is something you can try and do and i didn't like it but it's something you can try and you do you can certainly try yeah you can certainly try um and i think it's again that aspect of like yeah every time i go back to it i discover something new but it's also such a I, it's, it's weird. I never really thought about it much when you say like a comfort game, but it, it totally is for me. And I think it's just when I, I, I know it, I know it inside and out, except I don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know it inside out. finding new things. Yeah, I still am yeah. finding new things, but I also, I know that I can blitz through it. I don't feel threatened by it. But I, I, I know that it's going to give me some semblance of a challenge still if I drop my guard. Um, and I think there's also something just about the visual design, the fact that it still feels very grounded in like PS3 days. Mm. And um, there's something weirdly nostalgic about that, along with the music around Firelink Shrine and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to give you more of an answer than that, but I can't really explain it beyond... It just feeling like right, I guess you just get sucked into something the world. Like, it's something I know that I it's something I know, mm-hmm. and it's 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 I think that's what good comfort stuff is, right? In terms of films, I'd always go to like the original Spider Man with Tobey Maguire, right? That's that's like straight away. I'm like I'm back. I'm back at you know. It's yeah. something I know. We could like go on a about yeah. this, but we're not. We, we're not. We <laughs> yeah, awesome. I guess. Do you think that um um. Yeah, I don't. How do you feel about having having a comfort game that is still like I guess challenging, like, because because for me, right, I feel like Souls games have ruined every other game for me. 
because right. I need to play them all on like hard difficulty, the story games mm. now, because I feel like if I'm not challenged, it's like, yeah. it just feels a bit trivial. Do you, yeah, I know like, what you mean. so how, how do you, do you, do you, do you kind of agree with that sentiment? I, I agree with it to a, to a point. Um, something that I, I know I was saying that I like, I played the near games recently and something that really frustrates me about them both is they, they are, they are really easy and it happens with a lot of games where the difficulty isn't ramped up by making it actually more challenging. It's just by increasing like damage and mm. damage inputs and outputs. And that's never really rewarding. Yeah. Um, but I do agree with you. Like I feel a tendency to play things um, on, on harder difficulties because I, it's like, it's like, it's hard to enjoy something when you feel like it's trivial. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of why, the Souls games always stay entertaining in their own way because even when you've played through the games multiple times, if you drop your guard, you can still die. There's there's rats in the beginning of Dark Souls 1 that like if I don't get the right angle on them, they're knocking me off the edge or poisoning me and I'm dead. You know the ones I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. And um that's that's the genius of it. You know exactly the ones I'm talking about. And and I, 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 it's, it's, it's a it's a memory game for me when I'm playing it. It's like I know how to handle this area. And I've mastered it. And it's the same as the ending boss in Sekiro now. When it gave me so much trouble the first time I played it, six hours straight, I remember, because I counted it, like, on the clock. Um, if I go and play that now, I can do it. Because that time was put in, and I've memorized it, and I've mastered it. So I think part of the comfort side of it is going to something that I feel like is, an at first glance, an impossible challenge is now something that I know inside and out how to how to conquer um apart from bed of chaos which yeah never happened <laughs> never happened <laughs> oh well you can't be fully invincible that's all right no yeah um yeah do you want do you want to talk about i guess like the music composition stuff in it a bit yeah. now i mean i mean you've got a background in music so yeah i mean i my, my i make I, I play the piano a little bit um decently enough i can make music but i, I make hip-hop music right um i am in all intents and purposes a british rapper yeah this four dollar bullet thing that you can holler me sorry go to see while i'm eating my colored greens hide his balls on top like he rocking the colored scenes but you know it's coliseum the care about your college dreams um and i find that there is such there's such extravagant beauty in like the soul's music and um, especially in like the final the final theme for Gwyn in Dark Souls 1. Um, it tells so much of a story. And we're talking about, you know, we're talking about aspects of like world building and um, like implied storytelling. And there is so much of a story told in just the music for Gwyn's boss fight that it's it's so sad. Because um, you just get this whole sense of this guy who doesn't really know what's going on and is just desperate to like keep his kingdom alive. It's it's really sad. And that's why that's why part of like Vati Vidya's entire career was a whole series called Prepare to Cry, because there is there is a lot of tragedy just baked into the entire world of Dark Souls. Um music in general in these games is super powerful as well, just because like they don't they very rarely have music. Well, you don't you don't have music outside of um like safe areas or or boss fights mm. and so it's like it acts the music in the souls games acts as punctuation it's like um it's a reward and a punishment at the same time for reaching the next boss for reaching the next checkpoint um and it, it always feels like punctuation to a journey 
um, going through all of Blight Town to get to Quaylag at the bottom, it's like it's now a punctuation of soaring choirs and you know fire and brimstone and everything. Um, and I think it's a really fascinating way to use music in that way, and also just how how memorable a lot of those tracks are. Um, I, you haven't played Dark Souls three. Um, I not all the way through. Do you mind if I slightly spoil something? Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Okay, so it already in, has been anyway. So yeah. okay, so Dark Souls One has Gwyn's theme at the end, which is a lot of people's favorite theme out of the entire series. And when you're fighting the final boss in Dark Souls Three, um, when he sort of goes into his second phase, the theme comes back. And if you recognize that as a player, you go, "Oh shit! This is like the um, the culmination of the soul of that person from eons and eons and eons ago." Yeah, and right. it's 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 a really cool moment. You'll still experience it. I'm sorry for spoiling it, but I have to uh, talk about it because yeah. it's 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 another just another example of how they use music to again imply storytelling instantly you know it's Gwyn instantly you know there's a connection there with the first game and you're, you're trying to while you're fighting this really quite challenging boss you're trying to like connect the dots in your head of like <laughs> how, how does this how does this make any sense um and just like the warmth and it goes back to that uh, me talking about it being a comfort game I, I feel warmth when I listen to the Firelink Shrine theme and I play through just up into that point it feels like oh i know this this just feels like home and safety and like ambience um so i'm I, i'm not trying to talk about it too technically but i think there's just such a such a fantastic artistic choice with a lot of that that does its own pulls its own weight in terms of like the storytelling for the entire world and and um storytelling for the player yeah there's 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 a there's a real professionalism and like um absurd amount of talent in that music um same in the art design and that is why i think like i i would love to have all of the art books all of the music on vinyl because it all adds to this greater experience of creating this this one game that is made up of so many different elements that just tell the same story um, yeah. i think i think i think that's what really sets it apart because it's like i really liked the guardians of the galaxy game right I thought it was really good and I wasn't expecting it to be good. And I thought it was great. I can't tell you a piece of original score from that or like anything that like resonated with me in terms of, it felt like it was a narrative point as much as what was happening on screen was. Um, and I think that's where a lot of from software's games outlies that everything always culminates to be this perfect match of narrative and art um, in the video game. Yeah. And it's like, this is something I was reflecting on recently um, and the Doom games, the recent ones mm. sort of feel the same in that it it very much, it feels like, like there's this spirit of like old school video games in it yeah. and that like a lot of those old games didn't have a whole heap of story, but they were still awesome to play. And Dark Souls kind of has that thing of like the gameplay is like just so good. Like that's, it's one yeah. of the best elements, but also the world building and the music and yeah and the story is kind of like a bit hidden but it's kind of like that's like what a lot of old video games were yeah. actually like yeah. um but it, it's cool. also it, it also constantly lends itself to the idea that the world is indifferent to you right when you're hitting these moments and being punctuated by music or like or like the, the world design and stuff it's hitting you in the way that the world would hit you but it doesn't give you any of the context unless you unless you look for it because it doesn't make sense for your character to know the context. They're just a mindless zombie that's decided to go on this crusade. And I, it's interesting putting you in the actual shoes of that person. They wouldn't know anything that was happening. 
they wouldn't understand what was happening because they they they're mi- they're mindless and having having to read outside of it and having to figure it out as you go along is is a really fascinating way of doing it. I don't know if you played Mortal Shell, which was made by um it was made by a smaller studio, but it's basically a Souls like yeah, game. Yeah, it, it came out on um PlayStation Plus last month. Yeah, it um, did. so I downloaded it then and I played it, a little bit, but I've sort of been a bit. It's um, it, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. It's but I mean, you had Bloodborne and other things to play. You should get through those first. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but Mortal Shell is like one of the most impressive um, Souls likes I've ever played, and it is it is such a fun, polished, like quick experience. But they have a mechanic in there where like every time you use an item, you reveal a little bit more about the lore of it or how it mm. works, or every time you upgrade your character you get a little bit more about their backstory and they start to remember a bit more. And I think that's just completely, it's it's lending to the same elements that Dark Souls is trying to do, but in an actual gameplay way. And I think I'd love to actually see from implement something like that, where they make discovering the world and the lore like an active mechanic of playing the game. Because I, I also understand if they don't do it though, because it's there as a choice, I guess, right? But yeah. it's it. I think it would still be a choice. I still think it's a fascinating way to like implement that as a gameplay mechanic. Yeah, yeah, that seems cool. Yeah, yeah. I was having a conversation with my friend the other day about what do you think is like objectively the best game of all time, and um, like I think there's arguments to be made for like Tetris being the best game I've ever made, but also like the original Doom. I think there is such a there's such like a perfection of of yeah. elements there, and with the new the two new Doom games like. I think the groundwork that the original Doom set for video games as well, because like every other game that came out emulated that first person thing in a lot of ways. Completely. And it got compared to Doom, like almost all all like first person games at the time were compared to that. Um, When Doom, the original came out, it was just Mm. a huge shift in the like video game culture and like what, what a video game could be. Yeah. I feel, but I feel like, for comparison's sake, like I feel like you can say the same about the Souls games. I I know a lot of people, um, maybe not personally, but I've seen a lot of people online or in forums and stuff that said that like the Souls games rekindled their love for video games as an art form because it made them it made them realize that like oh this is what games can be. They can be these challenging, gloomy, art artistry filled like pieces of media that are. that transcend just Call of Duty or, or you know, dare to say Assassin's Creed nowadays, right? But like, I think I think Doom has the same arguments. I think I I love Doom um, as a franchise, and I'm just spouting, but I I love Doom 2016. I think that might be my favorite one. Yeah. I, I like to turn I like to turn a lot, but there's something about 2016. Put this in if you want. But like Doom 2016 has taken influence from Dark Souls in its own way, where they like they created really, really deep lore, really, really rich characters, and then put you in the aspect of the main character's perspective and decided to let you engage with what you want to. Because there is a lot of like archives and lore to read and stuff. Yeah, if you yeah. just want to go in and break screens open and smash demon heads together, it's not going to make you do anything else. Which was one of my complaints with Doom Eternal because they force cutscenes on you. Mm-hmm. But with 2016, it's like there's a direct comparison there with like creating really lore-rich worlds with fantastic music and then deciding to go, um, you don't have to see any of that if you don't want to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool just like developers giving 
players that choice and yeah. like respecting like each each player's individual wants and needs from a game um, by giving them those those like optional features because i mean because i mean you could play through the the souls games without reading yeah. any of the law things in the article without ever understanding what was happening yeah yeah and like yeah still still enjoy it from a gameplay and artistry totally. and even world building perspective i mean i don't think i've ever played a souls game where by the end of it i've understood the story wholly mm. um i maybe get glimpses here and there but it always comes from other reading or going back through and paying attention to item descriptions and stuff it always comes from that and never the first playthrough where you're just focusing on like i need to kill stuff and progress <laughs> Which is it goes back to the same conversation about you know every time you play it you can get something new out of it you can go through for just a gameplay experience or you can really double down and focus on you know the art design or the the world building or the story. Do you want to plug your music stuff? Yeah, uh, so uh, I make music. Um, it is British rap hip hop with a you know soulful twist, I guess you'd call it. Um, my album Portrait of a Pig came out in November last year. It is my first studio album. I spent a year and a half making it um, and a lot of time and effort. Um, it is out on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, on BBC Radio in the UK, if you fancy it. Um, so give it a listen. It's been a real labor of love. And um, I'm pretty sure there's a Dark Souls reference in there somewhere. Really? There's, defi- there's definitely some Resident Evil or Metal Gear references. I just, I can't help myself. I think it's a pretty good album. So do people who know me. My mum loves it, which which goes a long way. That's the so most important thing. If like give if it a your listen. mum likes it, it's like totally. Awesome. But yeah, you can you can find me on any of the streaming sites as Ellis Everson, or you can go to ellisEverson.com where there's loads of links. Hell yeah! Right, I'll give it a listen. <laughs> Thank you, man. All right, sweet. I will Brilliant. cut it there. Thanks for listening to episode four of Don't Go Hollow. You can keep up to date on new episodes of the show via Instagram and Twitter or subscribing on your preferred podcast platform. Earlier, you heard a snippet of Ellis's song Anubis and playing right now is an instrumental song from Ellis's album Portrait of a Pig. I've listened to it all the way through in the weeks since we recorded and I was thoroughly impressed and can highly recommend to fans of indie hip hop. Future episodes of Don't Go Hollow will begin a culture study on the Soulsborne games in every way possible. So if you have any topics or ideas you'd like explored on the podcast, let me know via Twitter, Reddit, or Instagram. As always, remember to reach out if you need help with your mental health, because nobody wants to see you go hollow. <laughs>